Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How are we feeling? I'm good, Sam. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. Very excited because uh, we have a very special guest in this week's episode, Miss Sydney Levitin. She's the manager of entertainment marketing and partnerships at Puma Group. We all love Pumas. You're trying to look fly out here. You better have some Puma in your closet. And the reason that Puma is <laughs> making its way into this marketplace is thanks to people like Sydney and the partnerships he's helping spearhead. One thing that I really love about whenever brands are partnering with artists is that they're, they're becoming a patron of the arts. They're, they're giving back to the community and giving artists an opportunity to create sometimes very fun and organic activations. Uh, I also really think that that culture is very much a domino of other trends, especially uh, for brands like fashion or other lifestyle related brands. So to be able to partner with awesome artists can be a really helpful way, not only to give an opportunity to the artist, but also to help grow the brand. What I particularly like about this episode is is that we really, uh, I mean, I know we've had some good chats on the side of with managers and agencies that help artists find brand deals, but this time the tables have turned and now we're really talking with somebody that's on the brand side. So really getting their perspective as to how to create organic activations, what they're looking for when identifying talent. So really enjoyed this episode. There were a couple lags, so bear with us if it, if it gets a little laggy. Um, but really grateful for the conversation we had and think you'll be able to glean a lot of powerful insights from it. What'd you think, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite parts was just going through the specific campaigns that she's worked on. I think you guys will get a lot of insight into the process. She goes over what it was like to work with Nipsey Hussle before he passed. And I think a lot of people will, you know, feel good about some of the activations that she was able to do with him, as well as get more insight on the creative process and just generally how these large scale campaigns come together. So I think um, if you're not too familiar with the brand world, I know we've only covered it a handful of times. Well, this one's a great episode to kind of cover what it's like um, at Puma. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and as always, if you guys haven't checked it out already, do want to encourage you guys to check out our Patreon. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to understand what guests we're about to interview so you can submit questions that we can ask in the show. Uh, we help each other. If you have a challenge, if you have a question, Jordan and I are in there sharing insight based on our experience and have some other awesome people from within the music industry that are also there to help. And we, everybody's got everybody else's back in there. So that's musicbusinesspodcast.com slash community to learn more. But without any further ado, Miss Sydney Levitin. Sydney, what's up? How you doing today? I'm good. How about you guys? We are very well and very excited to have you on. Um, for starters, we'd love to just kind of hear your, I know you've been working a lot in the kind of entertainment marketing space with a, a range of different brands, uh, spending the last couple of years at Puma, but can you talk a little bit, a little bit about how you got your first job that was kind of like in the music industry, if you will? Yeah. Um, so I actually went to school for event planning. I had no idea I would end up in entertainment at all. Um, I think it was always a dream of mine to work in music but ultimately event planning was kind of what I loved and then once I graduated college I moved back to LA I was in school in Vegas and I was really struggling to find a job for a long time and I 
out of the hundred of hundreds of applications I sent in, I got um, an interview with an agency called PMK BNC, which I now think is called Rogers and Cowan. Um, and it was to work on their entertainment marketing and partnerships team. Um, and that was, it took months for me to get the job, but that is basically where I got my start. I worked on really large marketing partnerships for Samsung. That was my main client. Um, so doing everything entertainment with them. And I was there for two, two and a half years. And then I saw the listing at Puma go up. And I actually had a friend who I randomly had been talking to the day before I saw the listing who told me that she had a friend who worked at Puma and he was, they had just caught up and they loved it. And she sent along my resume. Um, and then I got the job a week later. I think I was the last wow. person that they interviewed. Um, I truly could not believe it, but it was, I mean, it's truly a dream job. I love what I do, but yeah, I think it's just been kind of, the right time, the right place so far. And I'm very grateful and very lucky for kind of everything that I have and have been through so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so what are some, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started the episode, but what are some collaborations and campaigns you worked on recently? Um, recently I, um, co-managed the Lauren London partnership. Um, and so about, a year ago now, we did a really large announcement with her. Um, it's mm -hmm. a gorgeous video, which I'm not sure if yep. both of you have seen. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've seen and, it. It's awesome. Yeah, it makes me tear up every time I watch it. I know. It. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's really good. Um, but yeah, that's that's um, a partnership that I work on. And we've been working on a lot of things that will kind of roll out next year. Um, uh -huh. And then I also co-manage the partnership with Cara Delevingne. Um, and she has a ton of um, collaborations coming out next year, but we also launched her collab with Balmain um, last November, so almost a year ago. Um, but yeah, those are the two that I'm working on right now. But before that, um, when I started at Puma two, two and a half years ago, I was working on mm -hmm. Nipsey Hussle's partnership and Yogadi and A Boogie. So I've really gotten kind of the full scope of men's and right. women's at Puma, which is great. That's awesome. So when it comes to like identifying artists, I know a lot of people listening, uh, either manage artists, artists themselves, or what are you looking for in the artists that you end up collaborating with? And then how do you really go about identifying, uh, identifying who those, uh, those artists will be? Um, I think that in the last, you know, year and a half, two years since I've been at Puma, what I've noticed and like for myself personally, when I, and kind of building relationships with artists is making sure that they actually like the brand um, because we want to make sure that whatever partnership we're building is organic. Um, and the only way to do that is when an artist or, you know, when after actress, whatever it is, actually wears the brand in their real life. I don't need you posting it on Instagram every second. But mm -hmm. to know that you're actually wearing the tracksuit or the shoes or to be like, mm -hmm. hey, I really like this new silhouette that came out like that is super important to us. But if you're coming to me and you're saying, yeah, I really like Puma, but then you're out wearing every other brand under the sun and never actually wearing Puma, that's, I mean, that's just not a good look. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but um, yeah, but then, I mean, in terms of identifying new artists, it's, it's really completely relationship based. 
Um, my, the entertainment marketing team is small. We're only 10 people. We're all based in Los Angeles and the Puma headquarters are in Boston and in Germany. Um, so anytime we are tasked from those larger marketing teams in Boston and Germany to find someone to sign, we kind of have to go to these teams and be like, Hey, this is who this person is. You know, this is what they have coming up. This is how many times they've worn Puma, all this stuff. So having that relationship directly with an artist or with their management right. team and having that really good relationship is super important because then you build this comfortability with each other where it's like, Hey, don't tell anybody, but there's this album dropping. It might be good for your discussions or different things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely all about just relationships and making sure people really right. like the brand. Yeah. Right. Which kind of leads me to my next question, which is um, in terms of outreach and in terms of working with artists, um, what would you think the split is between artists that actually reach out to you or management teams that reach out to you or, and, or vice versa when you actually reach out to them? I would say it's pretty 50 50. Um, mm. I, I mean, I myself do a lot of outreach. I think that that's one of right. my favorite things about this job is that I get to build relationships with people that I really am fans of. Um, so if I see someone on Instagram, like I will sometimes reach out to them directly and see if they'll answer or also usually like their management's emails and their Instagram bio, or I might know someone who knows them. Um, mm -hmm. But there's been a lot of times where I know myself and other people on my team have gotten DMs from random artists who just want product and they are always so excited because they might just be scrolling and see a shoe that they want. They might not want a deal. They might just like want product, which is right. Fine. And we love that too. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but don't get mad yeah. at us when like 50 artists hit you up after this episode. <laughs> 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 I am ready. I am ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's really 50, 50 off. Obviously with like the really, really, huge celebrities you don't oftentimes get them coming to you or their management teams coming to you wanting the mm -hmm. deals but like with smaller up-and-coming artists which is honestly what Puma's focus has been especially in the men's space you get a lot of them reaching out because I think that what's special I mean obviously I don't know how other brands partnerships are structured so I can obviously only speak to Puma but I think that what's so special about our partnerships is just like how much we want to build it off what artists are already working on. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, we want to make sure that it's organic. So if they're going to be venturing from music into being on a TV show, we want to be able to somehow integrate into that, whether it's them wearing it on the show or whatever other ways, throwing them a, a premiere party. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's cool to have them reach out to you, but it's also cool to be able to, to reach out to artists you really love and be like, where Puma? I hope you yeah. like it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's awesome and incredible. When it comes to like the different types of campaigns, I know you did mention like you'll try and oftentimes tie it into stuff there they may already be working on. I know different types too. Sometimes maybe you said it's just kind of giving products. Um, other times it's definitely like much more integrated campaigns. Like I even recall I was at a complex con a couple of years ago and metro Boomin dropped his like metro Boomin <laughs> shoe and i was like oh my god i need this and i bought it uh and um so wait I mean, how many years ago was that i think this had to be four years ago yeah i was at that complex con bro that was before we met <laughs> I, was, I was with metro actually 
That's, That's hilarious. Crazy. I'm never gonna forget it too, man. I, I had such like a great moment because I was I was he was coming to do an appearance and I was like up in front and yeah. I was like, I think he wants some more. <laughs> and, and he you looked were up in front, bro. I was yeah. on the side of the stage. Crazy. That's crazy. All right, yeah, it was, I guess it was meant to be, but anyway. Exactly. Well, <laughs> now, now that Jordan and I had a little bonding moment, I will go back to the actual episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon our bromance. I love you, Sam. <laughs> so I'm trying so, to say, pause. Man. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, jokes aside, um, what are like the different types of collaborations? Do you have like a framework, or are there like clear kind of types that you evaluate these through? Kind of both. Um, a lot of times, what happens is we get direction from the larger marketing team so there's different regions like north america latin america europe you know all those different types of regions um who come to us with a specific need usually to support a specific shoe coming out um and we work a year and a half in advance so we know everything that's already happening and obviously in the next year and a half um so so what's happening? There's, no, I'm kidding. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that. You get a pass. <laughs> so there's always like a very specific demographic that we are going after with a shoe, or we just know we'll like a shoe. And so mm -hmm. we want to make sure that whoever is supporting the shoe is going to draw in that type of crowd um, and or that consumer. And mm. so that's usually how we structure it. Um, a lot of times there's also different accounts like a Foot Locker or Shoe Palace or anything or Journeys who it's very similar where they're like, hey, we know you guys are dropping this shoe. We want to work with you to have a specific campaign and sign a specific person to support this. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it works. But then there's other times where like with Kara, that's a good example. She wanted to do a collaboration with a big fashion house and she had a relationship already with Balmain. Um, and she's like, this is who I want to do the collaboration with. And she mm -hmm. was super hands-on. Her and Olivier, who is the creative director at Beaumont, basically created the entire line. Um, they had multiple calls, figuring out fabrics and what the design of the fabrics look like and what the shoes look like and everything. So it, it does vary. I mean, the longer someone is signed with Puma and the better relationship there is, more likely the chance that they're going to eventually get their own shoe right. and a line similar to car. I mean, car has been with Puma for like four years now, I think. Um, so it's been, a, it was a long time coming. Um, but a lot of times it is just kind of like, we know what shoe was coming out and we know we need someone to support that shoe. So let's sign someone who fits, mm. who fits the style of the shoe and mm. also fits the consumer base that we're trying to reach out to. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so kind of piggybacking off that, one, what does a successful partnership look like over time? Like you just said with Kara, uh, you know, you guys were, you guys have been working together for four years. What kind of enables that longevity? And then two, um, how do you identify a successful campaign once you've done it? So, you know, the product is out, the artist has um, endorsed it in whatever medium you guys found appropriate. How do you identify if it's actually been done successfully and that it's actually, it actually struck a chord with uh, the consumer base? I think we base it off of a lot of times on conversation on social media. Like if, I mean, mm. that's obviously not the only factor. There are a lot of factors that to be completely honest, I don't even know about that. Right. There are people high up at Puma that are dealing with it, but mm -hmm. I know for us to be able to 
see someone post a social post, let's say on, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is wearing Puma and in the comments, it's like, Oh, that's just super dope. I'm going to go on Puma.com right now and buy that. I, I personally saw that a lot with Dreezy actually. Um, anytime she would post in Puma, she posted all the time. I mean, she would wear it on her Instagram stories, on her, in her feed, everything. And every time in the comments, you would see almost all her comments being like, those shoes are really cool. I'm going to buy them right now. Or I just bought those shoes. And I think for us, that is really great to see that people are seeing it on someone. And we were successful in our job in finding someone who actually reached out to people that we wanted to or just consumers and got them to buy the product. Um, But I also think in terms of success of a partnership, it's also having someone continuously wear Puma Mm -hmm. for a long time and, and start posting when we don't maybe ask them to, and is wearing it in music videos and all this stuff. And like, I, I, they're always going to ask for money for like product placement and stuff. But I think that when they also are so willing and open to do it on their own, because they really love the brand and they value the relationship that they've built with the brand. um, I think that to us, that's, that success too and I think also when they bring us opportunities when they mm-hmm. are like hey I am let's I'm bringing a music video thing again but hey I'm shooting this music video can you guys do something or I want to do this content series following me along on tour can you can you guys partner with me on that I, I think that that's also really great for us because it lends visibility to the brand and it also lends visibility to the relationship of the brand and the artist. So right. that's also really great for us. Awesome. Amazing. When it comes to um on the like the artist side of uh kind of creating deals that that work well on both sides, like are, are there what things do you think artists really need to be conscious of when entertaining brand deals? I think there's always just going to be annoying things you have to do because you are working with a brand. Mm -hmm. I, there's a lot of artists who don't always like having to do social posts or show up to do an appearance or something like that. But it is just something that kind of comes along with working with a brand and with a really huge corporation. Um, With smaller brands, maybe it's not as strict, but for us, there's very clear cut things that we know we like our partners to do. Um, and then there's always the wiggle room. I, we, we always try and, like I said, work with the artist or entertainer to make sure that we're also doing things that fulfill them and make them happy so that it doesn't seem like such a corporate deal. Right. Um, but yeah, there's always going to be things that you, there's always going to be deals that deal points that you have to fulfill that you might not be happy about as an artist, but it's just kind of part of business. And I think that in every single part of entertainment, there's, I mean, in life, actually, there's always going to be things you don't want to do, but you have to do, you know, just to mm-hmm. kind of make money, make people happy, build relationships. And I, it's just kind of one little thing to kind of have to deal with, but then also know that you are giving yourself a really good reputation with the brand if you right. do everything that they want you to do because if you make them happy they're going to want to make you happy and help you out when you come to them with different opportunities 
Right. Yeah. When I, um, when I worked at a management company, it was weird specifically for Instagram posts. My clients were like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was like, it could be a brand that they use a brand that they like, but it was like for if you, if you can get on that, po- if you can get a post, they yeah. know that engagement is, is, uh, is legitimate. So it's like, yeah. man, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do it, but it, it's, uh, I would say from a brand side too, that's also like part of working with artists. Like, I, I don't know what, I don't know why Instagram posts specifically is artists don't want to do it. Um, I know. But I've, I've run into a lot of, a lot of trouble with that. But I think that's, um, it kind of goes back to what you're saying about making partnerships organic. I think that if, uh, if an artist is working with a brand that they wear and post, you know, regularly that they're wearing regardless, then that post shouldn't be too, yeah. too, Easy. too intrusive. But yeah. yeah, yeah, but if it's uh, you know, if they're if they're working with a brand that they don't actually support, then yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to post about yeah. it either. You know, <laughs> that's the whole point. You have to you have to find partnerships that are true to you and your brand that you're okay with promoting. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the whole point. And so. I think that we all also try and be understanding that obviously everyone has an aesthetic to what right. their Instagram looks like. Um, we don't ever want someone to post something that doesn't look mm. like something they would post because then it looks like you're paying someone to post right. something. And that's not what we want. That's not what any brand or artist wants. Um, so yeah, I think that also being able to, when, if we ever get pushed back and when we do get pushed back, it's kind of like, okay, so how can we work together to make this work? Like what type of photo right. are you cool with posting? Like, is it you holding it, holding the shoe? Is it you, you know, what is it? And We've been able to find a lot of success when we kind of frame it that way if we get pushed back. But yeah, it is for some reason <laughs> that's always <laughs> the difficult one. But I get it too. Yeah. Like I look at my yeah. Instagram sometimes and like I don't have any sort of aesthetic, but I'm like, ah, maybe I don't want to post that photo today. Does it work? And like literally to my zero followers. Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a friend yesterday and she said she sends one of her best friends two photos that look almost identical oh, yeah. and then asks which ones to post so if we do that yeah. you know it makes sense for artists <laughs> to do that as well um speaking of like deliverables and and just uh artists and campaigns and and what those look like um how do the deliverables and goals kind of shift between between artists obviously some of the deliverables mm-hmm. are going to be the same like social posts are probably pretty standard but um how can they differ between artists and then obviously uh, you said a little earlier um, you know, if someone, if, if the, if Puma's putting out a shoe, um, and you want to put something, you want to bring someone on board, um, what do those goals look like between artists? Um, and I guess, how do you formulate those? I think for that, it really is sort of in the real information on what is happening in an artist's career in mm-hmm. the next, if they can plan a year and a half out which most of them have some framework of what that looks like that helps us to to structure a deal because we can then if we know an artist is dropping an album in a year and they will still be signed with puma then it is to our benefit also because there's something that we can do with them within that time frame and and i think we've been pretty lucky because a lot of times these albums kind of come out at the same time I mean, we always have shoes dropping, but at a lot of at the same time that major shoes are dropping. So mm-hmm. it really helps because there's always ways to kind of amplify that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really is just kind of like in the relationship and um, 
that we're building with these artists when we kind of get the information from their management teams, um, hearing what they have going on. I mean, that kind of shifts what kind of goes into a deal. Um, In terms of what the goals are, I I think that they're always the same. It's really just getting visibility for the brand. Um, And I mean, like I've said, just creating an organic partnership and one that's mutually beneficial. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's just, kind of the goals are pretty standard yeah right for sure what have been some of like the the favorite campaigns you've worked on i know you mentioned a couple different artists and whatnot but like if you could just talk us through like some of the your favorite campaigns why you think they were effective and where you really put your focus to make them effective that'd be awesome i also would love to hear about um the nipsey hustle campaign slash now lauren lenny yeah. campaign <laughs> nipsey's like what my favorite artist yeah. of all time and and that campaign actually struck a, a serious chord with me so hearing about that yeah. too at some point um, would be awesome i think cara's collab with balmon was really cool for me mm-hmm. because i i mean it was so over the top i mean obviously balmon is a huge fashion house like they they are in the luxury brands um but we actually went to Warsaw for five days to film this campaign video. And it was two days, very long hours. I mean, beautiful, beautiful sets and dance scenes and like it acting and the outfits were amazing. I mean, it was so cool to sit there and just be able to watch everything creatively come to life after months and months and months of planning, just seeing things on a storyboard Mm -hmm. to be able to see it in real life was incredible. Um, I am just such a visual person. So to be able to, to sit there and like see the lights and like the dance scene happening 500 times in front of me, but nonetheless still amazing. Like it was really great. Um, the other one actually would have to be Nipsey's partnership. I, I think that something that was so great about him is how much he loves his Mm -hmm. community and being able to, do things that really benefited the community and be so involved um, are just so great. I mean, my favorite moment has always been and will forever be, um, we redid a basketball court at an elementary school that was right near his grandma's house. Um, And that came together. I was so stressed out for like three (laughs) weeks. It came together so fast. Like we... I don't know how we pulled it off. There were so many permits we had to get that I didn't know we had to get because you're working with an elementary school and like minors. And then obviously you're like wanting to bring a camera crew, but you have to get approval from parents and then all these different things. And I knew, and like the basketball court was just falling apart. The hoops were coming off. Like they're, they're just there. Nobody had fixed it for years and years and years. And the weather had completely ruined the basketball court. And, I remember like the day I showed up to do the reveal, I was like, I am going to cry. <laughs> like I need to wear waterproof mascara. Like right. I know myself and we're sitting there and the kids were so excited. They had all made, oh my God, they made the cutest handmade signs with, I mean, none of, they were all so young. So none of them can really like yeah. write yet. And it was so cute. And they were like handing them to Nipsey and Nipsey was having so much fun and just like playing basketball with some of them. And, and it was so it was so cute and I think also another one of my favorite moments is when we went with Nipsey and G-Eazy to Vegas 
it was the launch of um, our first basketball shoe. This is, I don't even know how long ago, mm-hmm. two years now, maybe. Um, and um, this also came together <laughs> very last minute. Um, we had, I think the Puma Jet had kind of, well, the Puma Private Jet had just kind of like come into mm-hmm. existence. And we basically came up with this plan to go to Vegas, buy out all of the basketball shoes on release day from the Puma store that was in, in, in Vegas. And also I think a, a Foot Locker or Shoe Palace that was across the way. And we donated them to a couple different high schools in Vegas. Um, and I mean, this was special to me for a couple of reasons because I went college in Vegas Mm -hmm. and Vegas is like a second home to me I love it there like I have so many friends who are still there and and also just to be able to give all these kids basketball shoes and I remember when I was talking to some of the coaches of the high school they're like you don't understand how much this means like a lot of these kids can't afford basketball shoes like they can't they haven't been able to afford them for a really really long time and I I don't know if a lot of people know this but Vegas is not it's not the entire area surrounding the strip is not a Mm -hmm. great area there's a lot of people like it it, the strip makes everything seem very grand and very rich in vegas but that is not the case and so to be able to donate these shoes i mean these kids were so excited we they had no idea what was happening they basically just we interrupted their practice walked in and them all gather in the middle of the basketball court and they were so confused and then all of a sudden nipsey and GEZ walked in and they were freaking <laughs> out like losing their minds we were like i felt like oprah we were just like throwing the shoes to them and they were so excited um and that was amazing and then the other school we wanted to go to it ended up there was something that happened we ended up not being able to go so we went to a local community center where there were a bunch of kids playing and Nipsey and GEZ were playing basketball and their bodyguards jumped in and played basketball. And then at one point, Nipsey started handing out like $100 bills <laughs> to the kids, I think. I th- maybe it wasn't $100, yeah. but it was something like that. Um, but I mean, like, it's just like moments ever. like that. I thought I was just coming to Apple Care and I'm not going to leave them with $100. But yeah, they, I mean, that was just such a fun whirlwind trip. Um, but so, and Nipsey's mm. grandma came and she was having the best time just like watching and seeing everything that was happening. But it was, um, yeah, it was super fun. But yeah, those are some of my, my most fond memories thus far. And I'm sure I will build many, many more. Right. So, um, you know, speaking of the Nipsey campaign with the basketball court and what you guys did in Vegas, um, generally how much of the creative comes from the artist? Cause it's obviously very close. That all yeah. sounds like Nipsey right? Like how much of it comes from the artists and how much of it comes from Puma and how much of it just comes with like being in a room collaborating? I'm just, I'm more so just wondering because those are both obviously very awesome, great ideas mm-hmm. that you guys executed upon. Um, so what is the creative process kind of like to come up with those ideas? Um, so when it's a campaign where it is a Puma shoe that, that an artist mm-hmm. is supporting, that creative is concepted by Puma. Mm-hmm. So there's not much creative direction that um, an artist can give besides like if they have a specific photographer right. that they like, a lot of times we'll be like, okay, totally cool. I mean, we get that. Um, if it is a co-branded collection like Cara and Balmain, um, that 
is very hands-on in the creative. Um, she knew pretty much exactly what she wanted the campaign to look like, what she, what elements she wanted it to, wanted to incorporate in. Um, so she was super involved with different events like the ones with Nipsey. Um, that kind of, that came from him and that is not uncommon with a lot of what happens um, with our partners. Um, we generally know what they are interested in. And so we try and build and propose ideas that we think that they'll like. Um, and we propose it if they're like, oh, this is almost there, but this element needs to be added in. Then we're usually pretty easygoing about it. Um, mm. So it, it, yeah, it, it really varies. But I mean, we try and get as much creative input as we possibly can from, from the partners. Awesome. Um, cool. Awesome. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you ask the next one, Sam. My, my, gotta, gotta I'll, I'll wrap up, I'll wrap up that last Zoom lag, Zoom lag out here today. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that said, when it comes to, uh, like for artists, I mean, some of like our listeners might be like developing and may not be at the point where they'll necessarily get the, like their own true or like crazy collab, but curious as to, um, like how clean an artist's profile an artist's profile needs to be in order for it to be for okay for you to collaborate with them like is that something that's like super top of mind is something you think artists should really make sure they're conscious about um yes and no i mean obviously we don't want anything that is very problematic and mm -hmm. doesn't look good when working with a brand but we also to some degree have to take things with a grain of salt because the media is crazy and sometimes blows things out of proportion um so we i think try and do our research as much as possible too before we sign someone and, and make sure we know who we're working with and um i, th I think it's not like something to be conscious of but also this day and age, I, I feel like everyone kind of understands what they're getting into with some artists. Um, so it's not a massive concern, but right. definitely something right. to still think about. And I would about. imagine that, you know, you can tell what's appropriate pretty yeah. easily, you know, and what is it just by their entire brand it's it wouldn't be like one tweet necessarily that would be like oh man we can't work with that person because they tweeted that one thing totally. i would assume there's flags multiple flags mm -hmm. that maybe you shouldn't be working with this artist before you even get to the point of like <laughs> or even if you ever do like reading their tweets or yeah, <laughs> what yeah. have you so um of course yeah um so i guess like the last as we wrap as we wrap up here um want to you know, take out the elephant in the room, which is the pandemic. So how have partnerships kind of changed in the landscape from your perspective, uh, you know, in the last six to seven months since the pandemic has kind of upended daily life? It has been very mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I know for myself personally, it took me a while. I mean, actually, I think for most of the country to like, or the world, to realize that this was not going to be over in three right. weeks or months. And this is something that we're probably going to be dealing with for a very long time. And to kind of shift my, my mind frame that now with partnerships, I have to 
think of activations and ways to work with them so differently because mm-hmm. normally we would be doing in-person events. I mean, like most of everywhere, we'd be doing in-person right. events or we'd be doing, right. you know, a lot more photo shoots and productions. And now we've had to kind of frame everything. And for a minute, like most brands, we kind of paused and we're like, let's take a minute, let's regroup, let's figure out how to do this but also make sure that we're supporting local communities and that we're not just kind of like going back to normal um but i i think we're putting now a lot we're really opening up the discussion with our partners to see what they're Mm -hmm. comfortable with because it's also forced a lot of artists and and creatives to think differently about their careers too and how they make might be and so a lot of them have really interesting ideas of what it is that they want to do um and we are open to it because i think that there's only so i mean nobody's really doing ig lives anymore but i think that there's only so many ig lives you can watch right and like so many virtual concerts you can watch right. and, and you kind of at this point always have to switch it up every couple months and just staying ahead of it and a lot of that comes from the people that the partners that we work with because they know what it is that they like they know what they're comfortable doing and they know their fan base the best um so they can really direct us and and tell us what to do and i also think when it comes to photo shoots because a lot of people aren't really comfortable with these large crews being on set yet um We've also looked to some of our partners to do photo shoots mm-hmm. at home and be like, hey, are you okay if we send you this product? Like, can you take some photos? And we can, like, kind of go from there. And a lot of them have been super into it because it's given them complete creative control to do whatever it is that they want. And we we have no restrictions. Like, we are like, you go for it, go wild, do whatever you want. Right. Um, and it's been cool to see the outcome of that. And I think that that's something that we'll start to probably do more of in the next, I don't even know, six months, however much longer this lasts. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting process and learning curve. And I think it continues to be, but I think that we now have a better hold of it, which is comforting. Do you think there's anything that'll stick? So like, I know you're changing a lot of processes right now in the way that you roll out campaigns and, and construct campaigns, but do you think even after things start to return back to normal, there'll be, there'll be things that you learned during the campaign or processes that, you, that you've uh, built during the campaign or during the, um, during the pandemic that uh, will stick? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope that we continue to engage with our partners mm-hmm. as much and really give them a lot of creative control. Um, but I think that it'll be interesting as their careers kind of go back to normal too when they can start touring again and doing all these things what that looks like but i mean i think for everybody the message has kind of been like right. you never know what's gonna happen right. <laughs> you know tomorrow you could wake up and the murder <laughs> hornets could be back wow. so that was such it's, a scare it's just kind of like yeah summer <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> um but i i think it's really just going with the flow not having to be so rigid and just like allowing things to happen as they do um i i mean that's how i live my life but i really hope that from a corporate structure that's also like we can continue this and understand that things change things happen um and just kind of keep 
keep going with it. Awesome. I love it. And it's a perfect note to end on. And I think super grateful to have had you on the show and all the incredible work you're doing. I think uh, I've always been a fan of Puma myself. And I think it's uh, largely because a lot of the, the partnerships and, and ways in which you guys are able to kind of support and, and act as a patron for incredible artists and, and really foster a cultural uh, understanding and adoption. So thank you, Sydney. Thank you, thank you so much. Of course. Man, that was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed learning about her perspective as far as uh, like how they go about identifying talent, what they look for in talent, how they try and leverage the artist's creative vision so that way they can create really organic collaborations and, and, uh, and activations. I know it gets so easy to make things feel forced when doing brand partnerships, but I think Puma has done an incredible job at actually partnering with awesome artists and giving them the creativity to contribute to the campaign. So it ends up feeling very organic. What did you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was super awesome that she just kind of talked about what actually starting and finishing a campaign looks like and how the I didn't realize the breadth of what the campaigns could be. Obviously, endorsements for shoe deals and that sort of thing makes sense. But what she was able to do with Nipsey and Lauren London kind of surpassed that. And, and they, you know, they're much larger than that. So it was super cool to to hear about the campaigns that we don't necessarily think of when we think of endorsement deals and sponsorships and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, huge shout out to Sydney, to Puma. Uh, really excited and, and grateful for you as well for listening to this episode but that's it for this week we'll be back next week and appreciate you so much until See you then guys. peace <laughs>